Charlie and Friends, Charlie and Friends. Mm-hmm. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. summer we've been working through 2 Corinthians trying to take specific words out of chapters and, and, and uh, address them, try to be encouraging this summer. And you look at uh, this word today, suffering. I'm not too sure I want to be encouraged by suffering, but that's what scripture says. And there's a specific purpose for it as we understand it. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I read the word of God? Heavenly Father, grant us understanding. Open our eyes to stand in your spirit to provide for us in our hearts and our minds what it is that we need to know today, that we might live and walk in obedience, that we might know the privilege of suffering for the things of Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I read starting in verse 16. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do receive me even as foolish, that I also may boast a little. That which I am speaking, I am not speaking as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting, 
Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you being so wise, bear with the foolish gladly. For you bear with anyone if he enslaves you, if he devours you, if he takes advantage of you, if he exalts himself, if he hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness, I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. This is God's inspired word for us today. Please be seated. I know most people in our, in our lives work very hard to avoid suffering. We try to structure our lives so that we don't face it. We have medications that leave our pain, insurance that covers our losses, counselors that help us move on. We won't put that behind us. We want to move on just as quickly as possible from any situation that might bring pain in our lives. But we have to face it. There are a couple of things that are promised to us when we come to Christ. His presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and all that that brings with us, with it. And one other thing, we are guaranteed, and that is suffering. We didn't sign up for that, did we? I mean, I wanted that eternal life. I wanted that joy. I wanted the peace that passes all understanding. Where was it that it said that I'll have to suffer for the gospel? And what is worse from a human, strictly from a human point of view, is that I'm supposed to be happy about it. I'm supposed to rejoice when I suffer for the things of Christ. Why? If they hated Christ, what will they do? They'll hate us. Okay? They'll hate us. Suffering is one of the guarantees of the Christian life. And frankly, there are believers all over the world suffering for, for the cause of Christ, and they look at us and wonder why we don't suffer. They look at us and say, you have everything. The American church, you have the resources. You have, I don't know, how many Bibles do you have in your home? Just take a second and think. You know, five, six. I got six in my office. There are people who still in the world don't have a complete Bible. How many helps do we have or have access to? We can go to the internet. We can go down to the bookstore. We can, um, you know, get online. You can learn Hebrew in 30 minutes a day. As far as I'm concerned, it'll take you the rest of your life to learn it at 30 minutes a day. But you can learn it in 30 minutes a day. 
Okay? I mean, they read from right to left. That's the first problem with Hebrew. But the church around the world looks at us and says, you have everything. Why aren't you making a greater impact in the world for Christ? And often in the things that I read, it's because they think we want to avoid suffering. So we're hesitant in our faith. And and this is the church in America as a whole. It's not just central here, but it's the church as a whole. I mean, there is no red badge of courage to say, you know what? I got persecuted today. I must be a real believer. Did you get persecuted today? Hmm, questioning your faith then if you didn't. There's no red badge of courage there. But understand there are people still in this world in to live and work and practice their faith in places where they might lose their home. They might lose their job. They may even lose their life if it came to the surface that they were Christians. In the EPC, we have missionaries who are no, known only by their first name and as missionaries to the Muslim world. We don't list what their last name is or exactly where they go for danger of their lives. For danger of their lives. Some work in England, in highly Muslim areas. Some work in the Middle East. Some work in Indonesia and places like that where it is a crime to go out and share your faith in Jesus Christ. And it could be a crime that they may actually lose their life because of. Our focus today is not so much suffering as it is examining our own lives to see if we even qualify to suffer. If we lived in a different part of the world, would the quality of our lives open us up for suffering because of the gospel? Then I think we have to ask ourselves, well, if after we look at that, what will it take, given the fact that we enjoy such freedom here in this country, what will it take for us to suffer for our faith in this country? Hmm. Let's look at what Paul says about suffering first. Go to verse 16, chapter 11. Now, he returns to this discussion of of foolishness. And understand, he's being a little uh, sarcastic here, just as he was at the beginning of chapter 11, where he says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. And in verse 16, it says, again, let no one think me foolish. Foolish in the sense that he even has to talk about this stuff. Foolish that he even has to bring it up. And, and Paul hates to boast, okay? He would love to talk about how he is weak. He would love to talk about how he has been a great persecutor of the church. He would love to talk about how Christ came when he was an enemy and brought him out of his sin and gave him new life. He hates to talk about any successes, okay? And as Paul talks about these things, these are really not the successes that people in today's world would think of, okay? When ministers get together, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to ask the question, well, how many are you have in worship? As if that was some great badge of, of honor, okay? Nobody comes to me and says, have you been persecuted this week? Hmm? You've been put in jail this week for your faith? Come on, Rand, you've got to preach the gospel harder because if you're not in jail, you're not preaching the gospel. Nobody comes and asks me that question. Okay? 
That was not on any questionnaire, any form to become a minister. Have you been persecuted for your faith? Nothing like that. Okay? Maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. I, well, we'll see. Well, Paul is comparing himself here in this foolishness to the false apostles that the Corinthians have been putting up with. Okay? There are people who are spreading error at the Corinthian church, and they are false apostles, and they have a little bit of an attitude. They think that because uh, they are doing well, uh, that God is with them. And in fact, they would look at Paul and say, Paul, you're being persecuted. That's a sure sign that God is not with you. But Paul says, no, you know, I do this because of Christ. I suffer these persecutions because of Christ. And, and these false teachers, they like to hold up their own credentials and say how good they are and, and, and who they are and, 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 and therefore that uh, their words should carry some more weight. So Paul has to boast a little bit. And he doesn't like to boast, but he feels he has to just to make the point. And he says, you'll bear with me in my foolishness, right? So here is what he boasts in. He boasts in, to start with, two things. First, his heritage. Verse 22. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Now, when he says the word Hebrews, this is both a, a, um, uh, a descendant and a language word. So here is my descendancy from, um, obviously, uh, when we look at other places in Scripture, especially Philippians chapter 3, we see Paul's, um, uh, what's the word I want? Pedigree, that's a dog word though, isn't it? Uh, But you get the idea, where he comes from, from the tribe of Benjamin, and on and on and on, circumcised the eighth day, he lists all those things. When he says, I'm a Hebrew and an Israelite, he's saying the same thing. I'm a descendant of Abraham, a seed of Abraham, a child of Abraham. He says, and for, for a Jew to say that, that was high praise. He said, this is the fact of life. This is who I am. And then he goes on to give his, we'll call it, record. Are they servants of Christ? Verse 30, 23. Are they servants of Christ? And you can see Paul is kind of frustrated here because he says, I speak as if insane. He says, this is making me crazy. You people are listening to these false prophets who are touting their credentials, but their credentials are weak. They got their degree online, okay? They didn't go to school. They got their degree online. He says, this is driving me crazy. Are they servants of Christ? I more so. And then he goes on to list some of those things that are evidences of Paul's service to Christ. Far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in dangers of death. Okay, when was the last time you were beaten? I can't remember either. Last time you were in prison for the gospel? Um, neither was I. Okay. Um, But Paul has been in prison for the gospel. Paul has been beaten for the gospel. Paul has been close to death for the gospel. He has been stoned for the gospel. He's been left for dead for the gospel of Christ. 
look at a couple of these things. In prison, this is a prison would be a temporary holding place. This is not, uh, there's a distinction between jail. Jail is usually a temporary thing today and prison is longer term. When he talks about being in prison, this is where you were held until your trial or until they decided what to do with you. So Paul says, I've been in prison a lot because they didn't know what to do with me. Because when Paul would show up at a town, what would happen? There would be a riot or a revival. And, you know, revival's good. Riot, well, he gets in prison, he gets stoned, he gets beaten, all of these things. He says, I've been flogged countless times. Okay, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Flogging was, was common. 39 lashes, you weren't allowed to give more than 40, so they would stop short of one uh, in case they miscounted, because if they gave 41 and the person being flogged died, then the person doing the flogging was charged with murder, okay? And what they would do is give uh, 39, 23 on the back, 26 on the back, and 13 on the front, Okay? And you know from the flogging of Christ and his scourging what that would do, simply ripping the flesh from your body. It was a, a terrible thing that would go on. He says, I have been stoned, left for dead. All these things are terrible for Paul. He says, I've been beaten with rods. This was a Roman form of punishment. Uh, rods would be similar to what we call billy clubs. They would come and just wallop on the person and it would be out in public. So Paul has faced public beatings because of his faith. Paul has been stoned. Lystra, Acts chapter 14, uh, Jews from Pisidian and Antioch and Iconium came and they followed Paul and they, they stirred it up and they people of town stoned him and they left him for dead. Stoning was technically not allowed for Roman citizens, but... You know, when the crowd gets their dander up, they don't care whether you're Roman or not. All they know is that you're preaching something that they don't like. So they stone Paul. Three times he's been shipwrecked. A day and the night he spent in the open sea. Now, we know from Paul's missionary journeys how everywhere he went, and it was not uncommon for shipwrecks to happen. And Paul spent, probably after one of these shipwrecks, floating around on some piece of debris a day and the night in the sea. And Paul uses a pretty uh, intensive word there, so that memory is probably still fresh in his mind of how he spent that night out in the sea. So we have to recognize that all of these items here from Paul, examples of his personal sacrifices and sufferings for the gospel, are for the cause of the gospel. They aren't because Paul was ugly. They aren't because Paul didn't simply want to go along with society. They are because he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The things that Paul proclaimed his adversaries considered shameful. They considered error. Um, they, They hated Paul. And in fact, the people here in Corinth who are the adversaries of Paul, the people who are proclaiming this false gospel, they think all of these things are bad. They are sure signs that God is not with Paul. And they look at their own lives, and we get the impression from from what Paul writes is that they would fit more with what we call the health and wealth gospel today. 
They are preaching a message that if God loves you and you are doing right, then you will be blessed financially, you will be blessed with health. And Paul says, you know what, I'm serving the Lord and I'm getting the stuffing beat out of me on a regular basis. And they look at him and say, well, that's a sure sign that you're not of God. And Paul says, I hate to boast, but it's a sure sign that I am. It's a sure sign that I am. And Paul says, it is a privilege for this to happen to me. It is a privilege to face the 39 lashes. It is a privilege to be beaten. It is a privilege to be shipwrecked because it is so because of the gospel of Christ. Now, all of these afflictions, all of these sufferings could have easily been avoided by Paul. If he did what? Just kept his mouth shut. Okay? Or presented the gospel in a quiet way. Over here in the corner. You know, one-on-one. Or maybe just adjusted the message so it wasn't so offensive. But that's not the way that Paul worked. Paul said, this is right. And this is true. And we don't compromise on this, even though it costs me flesh. It costs me persecution. It costs me sufferings. And the Lord said in Acts chapter 9, says, he is my chosen instrument to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. How much he must suffer. So going into this, the Lord revealed to Paul how much he was going to have to suffer. And what is listed here in Corinthians, if you take Corinthians and Acts and Philippians, you get a very long list of what Paul suffered so that he had, could proclaim the gospel. Now, what Paul lists here is what every Christian should expect. When do we get beat? Okay, do you remember the Bill Cosby um, thing when he talks about raising his children? I don't know if any of you are Bill Cosby fans. And his kids are out of control and his wife is at the top of the steps. And she says, let the beatings begin. Okay, because she can't control the kids anymore. And we think, when do the beatings start for us? Well, I don't know. We live in a country that we are free to come here and worship. Nobody stops us. Nobody stands at the door and takes our name. But there are countries where you can't do that. I've met pastors in Russia when I was there years ago who spent years and years in prison because they preached the gospel. And that's the only reason they were in prison. The only reason they spent all those years, the only reason they were tortured in prison is because they preached the gospel. We don't face that in our society. But understand, Paul's experiences are not out of the ordinary. Peace and prosperity for the Christian is the anomaly. Persecution is what we should expect. Suffering is what we should expect. And I know that that, it just doesn't make sense. Well, we've grown up in a society where we have, have enjoyed for over 200 years the freedom to do these things. But in many places in the rest of the world, they do not have such freedoms. They do not have these. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is a statement of fact. Will be persecuted. But in spite of the intensity of all that Paul has experienced here, he says these are light and momentary. Now, 
for getting the flesh ripped off of you for the third time in a scourging, I, 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 I can't imagine the thought running through Paul's mind, well, this is light and momentary, okay? But yet that's what he says. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians chapter 4. In fact, as crazy as it sounds to our ears today, Paul rejoices in his sufferings because they are evidence of his faith, evidence that he is being obedient to the things of Christ. I look at my own life. I, I, I have to look at myself. I you, you all have to examine yourselves. And I try to remember when the last time was I was even ridiculed for being a Christian. Okay, as I said, I've never been in jail for being a Christian. No one's ever beat me for being a Christian. I've been called names at different times. Uh, and it's usually when I really was for a Presbyterian, okay, really was out there demonstrating my faith. But it's been several years since I was really called any names or derided for my Christian faith. Now, does that mean that I'm not bold enough? Does that mean that perhaps I've compromised with the world too much, that I look too much like a non-believer to stand out? I don't know. I had to chew on this all week. Some answers I didn't like. So maybe I blend in too much. Maybe I've wearing camouflage. Maybe I've turned into a lukewarm Christian because nobody is calling me names. Well, remember, we don't live in a Muslim society where Muslim law reigns. We don't live in the society that Paul did. We live in a society where we have freedom. And we live in the South, where half the town is going to church today. Whether half the town believes or not, half of them are in church. So it's very common. And you can go to a restaurant and look around, and before people eat, I would say the majority of them are saying grace before they eat. Okay? That's the kind of culture that we live in. So maybe here in this culture, we have to be, I don't know, we have to go out of our way to seek suffering for Christ. Maybe that's just publicly. But maybe there are times in our lives that are a little bit more quiet, where we each know we have paid a price for our faith. But there are people, certainly, in our society who would like us to suffer for our faith. They would like to shut our mouths. All you have to do is do a little search on the Internet or read the newspaper. You find people on college campuses not being able to share their faith, people being persecuted because they're reading a book and somebody is offended because they're reading that book, or they are silenced because they say things that may lead someone else to do something inappropriate. Suffering for the gospel is guaranteed. I can't say that that we're not good Christians because we haven't suffered. Nobody's beat us. We haven't been in jail. But I say we have to look at our lives and say, when was the last time, if ever, we had the privilege of suffering for the gospel? The privilege of people looking at us and calling us a name 
because we acted in a Christian fashion? When was the last time we had the privilege of being derided because we did something the rest of society said, you can't do that, but yet we did it. Or we didn't go along with the rest of the society, and they call us a name because, uh, how can you not do this? Remember, I was called a skippy once. Okay. And that was a derogatory term for a Christian. You skippy. And the person I was with looked at them and said, are you jealous? It's a privilege if suffering would come upon us. It may come upon us in very small ways in our society because of the culture we live in. Or it may be a time where suffering comes upon us because of our faith in a very great way. But we have to be ready for either, either end of it and understand that it is a privilege because in the midst of suffering for the gospel of Christ, our Heavenly Father will provide for us the grace of to sustain us. He will provide for us to a greater and greater degree that peace which passes all understanding, that grace which will see us through. May not make it easy, may not make it painless, but he will never leave us or forsake us. Because once we are in his hand, nothing can remove that. No amount of suffering, no amount of Being called names, no amount of having our privileges removed can remove us from the hand of our Heavenly Father and the salvation and the grace that is given to us there. It will be a privilege if we one day, like Paul, give our flesh for the things of Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, you have placed us here in this country, in this community, with all these great privileges and freedoms, and you have placed this faith in our hearts. Jesus Christ has come. His body bore our sin. It is by his stripes that we are healed. And now we have the opportunity to live those things out. Some days it is very easy to be a Christian, Lord. It seems like you have prepared the way so smoothly. And then other days, maybe it's more difficult and we are somewhat more hesitant to really put ourselves out and and to potentially face suffering or persecution, even in this land where we have these freedoms. Lord, But we know that there are others around the world who to even mention the name of Christ in public is to bring upon themselves suffering and punishment. To start a conversation about spiritual things can wind them up in jail. Lord, they are in places that you have not yet called us to be. They are living lives of faith that that we don't really understand, but we seek your protection upon them, that they would not fail to be bold when it is needed, wise at all times, gentle, compassionate. But, Lord, whether whether we ever face that kind of persecution in this country or not, 
I pray that we are always ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within and to do so with gentleness and compassion, that the gospel might be both seen and heard in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where he leads me, I will follow. Let's stand and sing the first two verses of 607 in preparation for communion. 607, let's stand as we sing. Dismiss us now, that we might go with you wherever you lead us, that we might follow in obedience, not straying to the right or to the left, but staying on the path. Whatever lay before us, we know that you will sustain us through it. You will give us the strength and the grace. Lord, we pray in that whatever we may face in this life, we would do so to your glory. and In the midst of it, we would be able to point to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.